Good morning, FCF. Um, excited to be starting a new series of messages, and the new series is called The New You 2.0. Now, believe it or not, there's a biblical basis for this. Uh, let me read you a portion of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to read you verse 45, then I'm going to read 47 and 49. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. Verse 47, the first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. Verse 49, and just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, meaning Adam, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. This passage is telling us that we that are in physical form now, we originate from Adam, but it, then it adds something. It calls Christ the, the second Adam. So if Adam was one man, 1.0, Jesus is man, God and man together, 2.0. And it says that just as we, those that have been reconciled to God by trusting Christ, have borne the image of the, the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man or Christ. And so... If you've trusted in Christ and you are His follower, you are destined for a better version of yourself. Now, this is an interesting time of year because, you know, New Year's people make resolutions. And New Year's resolutions are kind of an interesting thing because what they prove is that every single human being can envision a better version of themselves. Usually it's a, a version of herself that's a few pounds lighter and uses their time a little bit more tenderly and relationally and maybe has some better priorities, whatever it is. But you know and I know that we make these resolutions, or those that even do it anymore, the people that make the resolutions rarely, rarely are able to keep them. They start out, and then somewhere, usually around this time, frankly, two, three weeks out, after the new year, they find paralysis sets in. They they really desired to make the changes. They were really sincere about it. In their minds, in their desires, they wanted to make the changes, but there was something that paralyzed them. They, they couldn't make the, the, the change stick. Now, this whole series is about making the changes stick. It, it, it is about cooperating with God since we know that He intends us to bear the image of Christ, the heavenly man, you and I, a better version of herself, a 2.0 version of herself, there, there is a real reason that we experience this paralysis, this typical New Year's resolution paralysis, and how we can, we can change that dynamic. Let, let me just show you how simple and yet how profound this really is. If you and I were to see a house burning, I mean flames pouring up through the roof, coming out through the windows, um, you and I would do everything we could <clears throat> to back off of it, to get away from it, to avoid it. The last thing we would ever think of doing is running into the house. However, if a firefighter was there or firefighters were there, the firefighter would do just the opposite of what you and I would do. Whereas we would be paralyzed by the fire, we would be inactive, the firefighters would run into the fire and they would go into action. Uh, if someone was in there, they would try to rescue them. If they, they would try to put the fire out. What makes the difference? Here's the key. The key to this entire series, the key to what maybe has kept some of us stuck, not growing, uh, not 
putting on the, the new 2.0 version to the degree that we would like to and how we can, we can take that in a different direction. Here's the key. That firefighter has a different view of the circumstance. You and I see the circumstance as something that's just dangerous and to be avoided. The firefighter sees the circumstance as something that they are prepared to deal with. The firefighter sees a different view of themselves. Um, they see themselves as someone that's called and equipped and trained to deal with the fire. You and I don't see ourselves that way. The firefighter sees others differently. You and I would like to help and rescue somebody, but we don't really feel equipped in most cases to do it. The firefighter does. And then the firefighter's view of life is very different. Your life doesn't call upon you, in most cases, to run into a burning building. The firefighter knows their life is a mission. It's a little bit of a different occupation. And so it's their view. Their view of circumstances is different. And so they are motivated and energized, whereas we would be paralyzed. Their view of themselves is different. Their view of others is different. Their view of life itself is different. And that's the difference in being paralyzed or in being empowered to pursue the 2.0 version of ourself that we now know God intends for us to ultimately wear. Okay, so we want to start in this series where we're going to look at uh, the power of view. And today we're going to look at uh, the, the power of viewing our circumstances in a new way. And we're going to deal with a man in Scripture that we meet in John chapter 5. And th this is interesting because we never, we never get this guy's name. And yet, by the end of this series, if, if I'm able to do what I think God wants me to do, by the end of this series, you will feel like you know this man better than almost anybody in Scripture. Because, believe it or not, and, and, and I think this is going to be more exciting than it might sound when I say what I'm about to say, we are going to spend six weeks on this man. But we're going to look at things from so many different angles. We're going to look at the, the power of viewing circumstances. We're, we're going to look at viewing others. We're going to look at the power of viewing ourselves differently. We're going to look at the power of viewing God differently, viewing Christ differently, viewing life differently. But it's all going to center around this one unnamed man. So let me introduce him to you from John's Gospel, chapter 5. I'm reading the New Matthew version of the Bible, and it starts this way. It says, After that, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there is at Jerusalem, by the slaughterhouse, a pool called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches, in which lay a great number of sick folk, of the blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in, uh, me, stepped in, was made whole. Uh, I like that terminology. Was made whole of whatever disease he had. Verse five. And a certain man was there who had been diseased thirty-eight years. Other uh, translations say invalid. Uh, anyway, he had been there for thirty-eight years. Verse six. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that for a long time now he had been diseased, he said to him, Do you want to be made whole? We're going to deal with that. That's a very powerful question. We're going to deal with that in another message. Today, not so much. The sick man answered him, Sir, 
I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But in the meantime, when I'm about to come, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath day. Verse 14, Sometime later Jesus found him in the temple again and spoke to him, Take a look at your body. It has been made whole and strong. So... Avoid a life of sin or else a calamity greater than any disability may befall you. So here we meet this man who appears to be a, a paralytic. It appears that he was paralyzed because he, he said that he could not get to the water. He needed somebody to carry him to the water. Um, 38 years, 38 years he's in this condition. So we want to look at the view of circumstances that this man had at the beginning of the day. We're going to kind of picture a timeline. So uh, the timeline before he has this encounter with Jesus, and then we're going to kind of look at his view after the encounter with Jesus. So we're going to personalize it, and here's what we're going to, going to start with. Viewing my circumstances without God in Christ. What, what, what happens if I view my circumstances without God as God's revealed in Christ? That's what I mean by God in Christ. You have to understand, the Bible teaches that God has been progressively revealing Himself and that it finally culminated. He took, he took all the stops away. He pulled back the veil and showed who He really is in Christ. In Christ, it says, we see the fullness of God in human form, in physical form. So. My circumstances, viewing my circumstances without God as God really is in Christ. What does this produce? And this man is a perfect example of what it produces. When you and I, knowingly or unknowingly, start viewing our circumstances without God as He is in Christ, we inevitably experience helplessness in the present. This man, it says, for 38 years, 38 years, th this was his spot. Now, these people were, were there day in and day out because people would come and would give them offerings, give them food, give them uh, you know, financial offerings. Th this was kind of the way they survived. And then, of course, there was the occasional miracle, evidently, where an actual angel would come down and people who could get into the pool of water would be healed. But imagine... You're, you're, you're there, you're at this place, you're at this, this portico, this porch near the temple of God, but you're helpless. You, you, you've done this now uh, year after year after year, and nothing has happened, nothing changes. But not only was the man helpless, the evidence is the man was probably hopeless because he knew that someone was always going to beat him to the stirring of the water when it occasionally did stir by the angel. So when I view, and listen to this carefully, folks, when I knowingly or unknowingly start to view my circumstances, some of you need to really listen to what I'm saying now, when I knowingly or unknowingly start to view my circumstances apart, apart or without God, as God is revealed in Christ, Inevitably, <clears throat> I start experiencing helplessness, inability. I, I have ideas in my head that I cannot carry out. This man had desires 
He wanted to function like everyone else, but he could not get the rest of his body, his life to cooperate. We end up helpless and often we end up hopeless when we're viewing our life without God as he's revealed in Christ. So this man gives us a grand picture of this. Now, if you look at a timeline though, this is an interesting thing. This man's life for 38 years was in this diseased condition. Now, we don't know how old he was when he became paralyzed or when he became an invalid, diseased, but we can anticipate or, or we can guess that it was a, a, good part, a good part of his life has been in this condition. <coughs> so, he had no reason to believe that anything was ever going to change, is my real point. So, picture, picture how he likely felt 15 minutes before Jesus speaks to him. So 15 minutes, he's helpless, just like he's been for 38 years. No matter what he wants to do, he can't do it. He's hopeless because no one's ever been there to help him get into the pool of water. There's no reason to believe anything is going to change. And this is how he feels. Now, folks, this is one of our problems. We tend to interpret our circumstances based on how they make us feel. If my circumstance makes me feel helpless, if my circumstance makes me feel hopeless, I, I tend to view that as a, as a horrific, terrible circumstance. And I'm not trying to say that this man's circumstance was good, but 15 minutes before, that's likely how he felt. He might have been very discouraged. He might have been very depressed. He might have just been, by this point, used to it, and it was just another routine day. We don't know for sure. But everything was going to change. He had no idea. He had no inkling. There's no reason to believe that this man thought this day was going to be any different. But in just minutes, Christ was going to enter into his life and everything in his life was going to be changed. Now, with that in mind, let me read you a verse. Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is, present tense, close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Psalm 147.3 kind of picks up on that theme. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. The Lord was close to this man as he approached, but the man had no idea. The man felt just as helpless and just as hopeless. The, the Lord was close to all of those ill people that were there, and he felt compassion for all of them, and yet only one of them was going to be healed. This man represents a type, as it were, of what God wants to do, what God will do someday in totality. You know, he promises sickness, sorrow, uh, pain, agony, heartbreak, disease. They, they have a short shelf life. God promises He's going to eliminate them completely. They are not what He desires. They're the result of, of sin, and I don't mean that this man's personal sin caused his um, you know, par paralysis or whatever disease he had. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in general, when the first sin entered into the human spiritual DNA, it affected our physiology as well, and we have been in a deterioration process that now makes us vulnerable to all kind of diseases and things. So my point is this, though. This man becomes a type of what God wants to do he, he feels, he's close to the brokenhearted of those who are crushed in spirit, but I doubt that this man felt it. I doubt that the rest of the people that were there ill that day felt it. I doubt that some of us, when we are brokenhearted, when we are crushed in spirit, 
I doubt that we feel that God is close. Picture 15 minutes before Jesus spoke to this man. It is highly unlikely he felt that God was close, that God was aware of him, that God even cared for him. We're going to get into that in future messages. But then he meets Jesus and everything starts to change. He starts to realize it is true that God is close to the brokenhearted and those that are crushed in spirit. Jesus felt the exact same way for every ill person there. It is not the plan of God to heal every ill person now. God is allowing sin, sorrow, sickness for a time so that He can eliminate, break the power of sin and evil forever in the future. So we have to understand that this is not the age where everyone is going to be healed all the time. Jesus could have healed everybody that day at that pool. He did not. That is a picture. That is a type of what God is doing through the age. Hear what I said again. God is allowing suffering and evil for a time so that He can abolish it, eliminate it forever. I've taught on this extensively a lot. I don't have time to go into it in depth in this message today. Now, here's the thing I want to share with you. My feelings or feelings, let, let me state it like this, feelings are untrustworthy interpreters of circumstances. That man's feelings 15 minutes before Jesus came along might have been very morose, very depressed, very discouraged. He was interpreting his circumstances as helpless and hopeless. But that was not accurate. It was all about to change. All it needed was the intervention of God. We, we are not whole, any of us, apart from Christ. But when we are rightly uh, connected to Him, everything can start to change. Now, I started playing with some thoughts on something, and um, I, I think this will be very helpful if you will internalize what I'm about to say, and it will be something that you have to bring back to mind and internalize. All right. In 2 Peter 3.8, the Scripture says, A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Okay, now picture that. That means that if you and I live to be a hundred, we don't even live the way God feels time for a day. Because a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. So a hundred years would only be a tenth of a day. Now, how much is a tenth of a day? Well, there's 24 hours in a day. So a tenth of a day would be 2.4 hours. So, so get this. If you and I live to be a hundred years old, in God's way of experiencing time, we've only lived for about two and a half hours, less than two and a half hours. Now, that would mean 38 years of suffering that this man went through, 38 years of inability, 38 years of wanting maybe to do the will of God, but not finding the power to do it. Some of you, you're sincere, fervent followers of Jesus. You want to do the will of God, but you just keep going through the cycle, two steps forward, three steps back. Inability seems to paralyze you from doing what you want to do. This man for 38 years experienced this, this excruciating lifestyle but in God's timing, it was about an hour. It was about an hour. Now, for this man, it felt like a lifetime. Now, we say things, listen to me carefully, we say things that, that, that really, really hurt ourselves unnecessarily. Here's the kind of things we say. We say things like, the best years of my life are gone. The best, this man might have felt like, 38 years, he's been there, a paralytic. The best years of my life are gone. Of course, before Jesus met him, he would have felt even more hopeless. He would have felt the best years of my life are gone, and there's no, no reason to think it's ever going to be any better. 
But even after the healing, he still could have thought, well, I'm healed now, I'm whole now, but the best years of my life are going. Listen, anytime you say that, remember what I'm about to say. You have just lied to yourself. You must, you must stop this kind of thinking. The scripture teaches, God reveals that we are on an eternal course and that we are just here for a very, very short season. Therefore, remember what I said, in God's way of looking at time, if you and I live to be 100 years old, we're only here for about two and a half hours. And if we have to go through two and a half hours of suffering, again, think of the rest of the ill people that were at the pool that did not get healed that day. What if their whole life, they never got healed? In God's timing, that's about two and a half hours. But then for eternity, He promises to eliminate all sickness, sorrow, pain, and death. He promises joy. He promises the fulfillment of the desires of our heart. He promises that every day will be better than the one before, and, and it will just continue forever and ever. So here's what I'm, I'm urging you to do. If you or I... Uh, are in circumstances that are less than ideal, that we would rather not have, might we not say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I need to dial into God's eternal perspective. Even if this lasts a lifetime, my best days are not uh, behind me. My best days are always ahead of me. Your best days, if you're a Christ follower, are always ahead of you. You, you, you will never see one of your best days in this life. You will, I will never see one of our best days in this life. Our best days start when we are the full 2.0 version of ourselves. That happens when Christ returns and He transforms we that are living to take on the full image, the full, the full physical persona of He who died for us and rose again, and where we are forever with the Lord, that's when your best days start. You will never experience one of your best days. So, so please, listen to what I said again. Don't lie to yourself and hurt yourself unnecessarily. When we say things like, oh, man, I've burnt my best years. My best years are gone. I, I've had my best years robbed. No, you have not. It is an impossibility. Your best years, my best years start <clears throat> when we enter into... <clears throat> that 2.0 version of ourselves and that 2.0 eternal relationship with Christ, our Creator. So, viewing my circumstances without God in Christ inevitably lead to helplessness in the present and hopelessness for my future. And feelings are untrustworthy interpreters of circumstances in any case. But what if we spin this around? Let's say that, okay, 15 minutes before the man met Christ, hopeless, helpless. But once Christ speaks to him, everything starts to change. Once he encounters God the way that God really is in Christ. You see, Christ reveals the heart of God. He shows what he's really like. The Almighty is the safest, most loving, most sacrificially unselfish person in the universe. That's why he's called the Holy One. He's the only one that takes all of that power and only always uses it for the good of those that he's created. He really is the Holy One, but He's the safest, most kind, most forgiving, most loving. So what if I start viewing my circumstances with God 
So now it's God in me in the circumstance, but God as He's now revealed Himself fully in Christ. Everything changes. Now here's what I find interesting. The man, of course, finds help for the present, whereas he was helpless before, he finds help for the present. Now Jesus, in verse 8, is fascinating. He tells him to do three things, three things that were absolutely impossible for the man to do up until he encountered Jesus. you, you got to listen to this part again. <clears throat> up until he got a special word from Jesus, a special command. It, it was a command that liberated. It was impossible. The man might have wanted to walk. He might have wanted to pick up his bed. He, he might have wanted to do everything that everyone else around him was doing, but he could not. But once he got that special personal word of command, of invitation from Jesus, everything changed. Listen to it again. Jesus tells him to do three things that are impossible. Jesus said to him, rise. He couldn't rise. Take up your bed. He couldn't take up his bed because he couldn't rise and walk. He couldn't walk. Three impossible commands. I wonder if some of you are thinking today, God keeps commanding me to do things that are impossible for me. I'm paralyzed. No matter how hard I try, it doesn't happen. Uh, I, I just can't. Eliminate that word, can't. Learn to put the word in place that I can't yet. I can't yet. Because once Christ speaks to us yeah, with, with a liberating word, at His time, not mine, not yours, everything changes. Everything. So this man finds help for the present. He receives divine enablement to do what he had not been able to do for 38 years. Listen, each and every one of us are able to do things now and to do them easily that we once would have found impossible. There was a time when it was impossible for you and I to walk. But we walk pretty easily now. There was a time when it was impossible for you and I to talk. Now most of us, like me, talk too much. There was a time when you and I couldn't feed ourselves, but now we probably feed ourselves too much. What was once impossible became possible. It, it was just a matter of timing. Jesus had reached a certain stage where this man's, perhaps it was necessary that he really reached a stage of desperation. I, I'm going to tell you what I've learned. A lot of times God has to allow us to reach the doorway of desperation. And, and on the other side of that desperation doorway, that's where breakthrough happens. I'm not saying we can manipulate it. I'm not saying we can speed the timetable. I am saying this. Until we are truly brokenhearted and crushed in spirit, Sometimes I believe it's impossible for God to do for us what He wants to do because He knows we'll undo it as quickly as He does it unless we're sufficiently brokenhearted. I'll tell you what I've learned also too is that, that we're masters at keeping our hearts from being broken. We know how painful it is and so we, we, we barricade our hearts and I think sometimes by barricading our hearts and not experiencing the pain of true brokenness and desperation that doorway to deliverance that's on the other side of desperation. We, we never find it. This man, 38 years, desperation. Jesus tells, tells him, do three impossible things. Here's another lesson. What God commands, He enables us to do. What God commands us to do, we will absolutely be able to do. But you say, but Randy, I want so much to do what God wants me to do, but I, but I keep failing. You failed a lot of times when you were first learning to try to walk too, but you walk pretty good now. Listen, 
We just need to stay humble. We need to stay teachable. We need to immerse ourselves in God's grace. What God commands us to do, we will certainly be able to do. And if we can't do it today, we'll do it tomorrow or next week or next month, but we will certainly do it. There is a 2.0 version of you that is a Christ-like you. It's a beautiful you. And that you will come to pass if you've reunited with your Creator Christ in trust and become His follower. So we go from helplessness to help in the present. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 41.10. It's a, it's a famous verse, so beautiful. The Lord is speaking to His people. He says, don't be afraid. You don't tell somebody to be afraid unless they are afraid. Don't be afraid. Why, Lord? Why shouldn't I be afraid? For I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Three, three promises there. He says, I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll hold you up if I have to. This is the real heart of God. This is who He really is. This is what He waits to do. He helps us in the present. He enables us. And that enablement then is meant to lead to further development. Now, I want to read a statement that I wrote down for you. Divine enablement does not exclude the need for divinely designed development. Let me say it again. Divine enablement does not eliminate, uh, does not exclude the need for divinely designed development. In other words, Jesus tells this man, rise, get up, walk, take up your mat and walk. Do you think that guy was, was fit for a race with anybody? No, no. He, he had some developing to do. Christ starts to enable us, but then He wants us to cooperate and, and develop and to grow. Our character in particular has to keep pace with our competencies in other areas where God starts enabling us. And, and it's a cooperative. God wants us to work with Him. So this man finds help for the present when he was helpless before, and he finds hope for the future. Multiple possibilities now open for this man. Of 38 years, he's been, he's been hopeless. There was nothing. There were no possibilities at all. But now, the whole world is wide open to him. And that's why Jesus finds this man later in the temple. And in verse 14, says these words to him. Let me read them to you again. Sometime later, Jesus found him in the temple and again spoke to him. Take a look at your body. It has been made whole and strong. So avoid a life of sin or else a calamity greater than any disability may befall you. You see, the truth is, is that once God frees us and enables us, we have possibilities, but we don't always use those possibilities in the ways that God would want us to and in the way that we're designed to. We could use them wastefully. And you know and I know there's an awful lot of people that receive tremendous blessing and enablement and gifting from God that don't necessarily use these opportunities and possibilities for, for the highest blessing that they could have been used for. So Jesus is trying to tell this guy, look, you have a whole new life now. Don't you waste it. Don't you throw yourself into sin and have something worse happen to you. Sin is our enemy. It's not our friend. It always brings destruction and disintegration. Listen to this great verse talking about possibilities that are wide open to the most broken but yielded-hearted soul. In 2 Chronicles, one of my favorite verses, chapter 16, verse 9, it was written to a king named Asa. 
It says, The Lord's eyes keep on roaming throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts completely belong to Him, so that He may strongly support them. You gotta, you gotta get this. I remember as a very young Christian coming across his voice in a verse, and I thought to myself, I can do that, man. I can answer that one ad. All God is saying is, He wants people. He just wants people that will give Him the entirety of their heart and their life. And if they do that, no matter how broken and imperfect they are, He will strongly support them. Why? Why does He strongly support them? Because all they want to do is do His will. This is a tremendous invitation. This man was made whole now, but for that wholeness to have any lasting meaning, he had to invest his life carefully. Listen to this great verse from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all that we can ask or imagine by His power at work. What if I stopped right there? So it's, it's still a great verse. Glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine according to His power at work. But it doesn't stop there. At work within us. Whoa, that changes the equation. It's saying that the possibility is there. God wants to release His mighty power and do His work in us, and that means through us. Our brokenness, our imperfection, our weakness, nevertheless, when we are united with the heart of God, the purposes of God, the work of God, the will of God, He waits to release His power to enable us to do things that will stand for eternity. This man now had an opportunity to do great and lasting things. Now, I, I want to close by reading a, a quote that almost everybody will know. You won't know the rest of it, because I didn't either, but you'll at least know the start of it. It goes like this. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Now, most of you, maybe you know, oh yeah, that's from Dickens. That, that's from The Tale of Two Cities. Uh, you know, great novel with, you know, the French Revolution in the background. But it was Charles Dickens. And let me read you now what else he said, though. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. It's all in how you and I view our circumstances. We will either be dispirited or we will be empowered based on how we view our circumstances. If I view my circumstances without God as He really is in Christ, I'm going to feel helpless and hopeless. If I view my circumstances with God as He really is in Christ, I'm going to find help and I'm going to find hope. I'm going to have endless possibilities to do good. It's all in the view. It's all in the view. That's the difference. That's the difference maker, whether it's the best of times or the worst of times. Now, I want you to think about it. What season are you in? Are you in that season when you're saying, man, this is the worst of times? If you say that, it's likely because of the view you have unconsciously embraced. You can change that view. Because if you are willing to view whatever you're in right now 
through the lens that God is with you as he really is in Christ. He's with you in the circumstance. He's in the boat with you. It may be a storm at sea. It may look like everybody's going to drown, but nobody's drowning when Jesus is on the boat with you. If, if you'll change your view, you'll, you'll change the way you feel and are able to handle that circumstance. Instead of being paralyzed by that circumstance, you will be empowered. You'll even be invigorated in some cases. You'll even catch a fresh wind of, of the Spirit's energy in you that you've never experienced before. It's all in the way we view things. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk real personal. Now, I know that some of you, you're like this man. Um, you have felt disabled in some area. And I'm talking to you that have put your trust in Christ and are His followers. You have felt disabled. There's just some area that you want so much to do the will of God, but you're just paralyzed. You just you feel stuck. Please, please stay humble. Stay teachable. S know that the Lord is near you. Know that He loves the brokenhearted. Know that desperation is often the doorway to deliverance. Be patient. Wait on God. This man waited for 38 years, but then Jesus spoke and it changed his life for the rest of his life. Be patient and know that God is with you in whatever you're going through. The, the second, I think that some of us, we might be feeling like, you know, uh, these circumstances that I'm in, they're, 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 they're breaking me, they're ruining me, they're, they're taking my best days away. Maybe we're, we're saying that old lie to ourselves, and you, you've got to stop, and you've got to remind yourself, I am, I am an eternal being. I'm not just here for a short time, a, a hundred years. No, 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 no. I, I am for all eternity. Therefore, even if I have to go through a lifetime of suffering, a hundred years of suffering, it's really only about 2.4 hours, one-tenth, because remember what it said, 2 Peter 3, 8, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So even a hundred years is only one-tenth of a thousand years, or in God's time, about two and a half hours, 2.4 hours. I, I really believe this is powerful. If you and I will be willing to remind ourselves when we're in the seasons like this man, the seasons of downtime, of suffering, in less than ideal circumstances for an indefinite period of time, if we'll remind ourselves, time is not against me, time is on my side. I'm not getting further away from my home. I'm getting closer to my home. My, my best days are not behind me. My best days are absolutely out ahead of me. My best days won't even start until I shed this, this particular body that I have now and take on the body likened to the resurrected body of Jesus, which I will receive when He returns. And folks, you know it in the core of your being. He's returning soon. We're likely, you and I that are alive today, we are likely to see that return. So, I hope I hope by God's grace and by the power of His Spirit, you will choose, like I'm going to choose, to take a new view of my circumstances. And that view is going to be that I'm going to view them as God being with me as God's revealed Himself in Christ, full of love, full of compassion, full of mercy, full of understanding, full of faithfulness, full of goodness. I'll wait for God to work out His plan. He's allowing evil and suffering for a little while so that He can abolish it forever and ever and ever. That's my best days. That's your best days. But this might be, now listen carefully, and this is where we, we end this. 
But this might be the day that Jesus says to you, this is the day, rise, stand up and walk. This is the day of your breakthrough. I don't know what it is that's been in your life, what's been imprisoning you. I don't know what circumstance, but I do know that God occasionally speaks very forcefully and an intervention comes and life is never the same. For some of you, this might be your day. If the Spirit of God is bearing witness to this in your spirit, you'll know it because it will fill you with a new vision, a new power, a new determination, and you'll know that this was the day. This was the day that Jesus spoke to you in a different way than he ever had before, and everything started to change. A new life, a new life began. I know that God's going to do something through this series of messages. You're, you're, you're going to see so much in the life of this unnamed man. You're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about God. You're going to learn about life. Let, let's pray, FCF. Our God and our Father, we are filled. With optimism because of who you are, because of your promises, because of the eternal perspective that you have laid out for us. Oh, we're thankful. We're thankful that this time, this life is not, it is not all we have. And that we are getting closer to our home, not, not losing. That our best days are ahead. They're, they're not behind us. We thank you, our God, and may your spirit just fill our hearts with the optimism and the new view of our circumstances that you alone can give. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.